Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 123. I'm still your host, Paul Rykoff. And now, more than any other time, even now, in the deep, hot days of summer, now is still a time to stay vigilant. Summer camps are open, ice pops are being enjoyed, and swimming is happening all across America, in public pools, in local creeks, and in the Great Lakes. All across America, folks are spending time together, enjoying a cold one, enjoying each other's company, and enjoying a laugh. We'll be back in a few weeks with all new episodes, but until then, I'm going to continue to flash back to some of our best episodes ever, our most popular episodes ever, our most fun episodes ever. If you've been around with us for over 100 episodes, I hope you enjoy this flashback to the earlier days. If you're new here and you're hearing it for the first time, you're really going to dig it. And I hope it makes your summer just a little bit sweeter. After the brutal, frustrating, stressful last year, we all need as many laughs as we can get this summer. And I don't know if any conversation we've ever had on this show has brought more laughs and more insight than our conversation with the great Samantha B. Sam B., one of the most influential, powerful, and trailblazing comedians of our time, sat down with me at the Classic Car Club back in October of 2019. Sam B. takes us deep into the world of comedy, satire, politics, and television. She tells us stories of the early days inside The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Stephen Colbert, and others, and takes us through her personal journey from working as a waitress to becoming an American citizen to challenging three presidents. Since it was 2019, she broke down the Democratic candidates, she broke down Trump, she talked about electric scooters, and she told us what it was like to go to the DMV. It's Sam B. on the DMV, on America, with you and me. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're enjoying your summer. Please be sure to follow us on social media and go to independentamericans.us. If you haven't already, subscribe for free and share on whatever podcast platform you love. You can also check out all the Independent Americans merchandise to fuel your summer activities and get you ready for the fall. Here it is, our amazing, candid, fun conversation with the Samantha B. I hope you enjoy it. Happy summer and stay vigilant. I am absolutely elated and ecstatic to have the great and powerful Sam B. joining us today. Thank you so much. What a nice introduction. It's so warranted. Oh my God. And I will reap more praise on you later, but I always want our guests to be iconic, important, inspiring Americans. Oh. And I think you check all those boxes. That is lovely of you. And thank you for providing this incredibly cozy chair that's enveloping me in a big... It's a weird chair, right? It's very huggy. It's it's actually made from, um, from the fabric of a car. It's leather car fabric. Oh, no wonder I feel so comfortable in it. It's kind of spacey. So if you're listening, we're inside... Mm -hmm the simulator room at the classic car club, which kind of has a Disney ride of the future feel to it. It has a lot of, it has a lot of potential for a lot of fun for a lot of people in my family. Anytime. And it's also soundproof Mm -hmm. and um, 
given the Rudy Buttile story that I have not fully shared with you, but I shared with our audience <laughs> oh last week, God. and given maybe both of our pretty wow. ferocious critiques of the president, wow! I hope they're not listening. <laughs> it's okay if they're it's okay if they're listening so uh i always ask the guests yep. that join us uh what they would like to drink mm-hmm. and and your choice was a coke i love a regular coke i love it in a glass bottle but i also love a fountain coke so i'm not I, you know i love them they have they each bring different qualities and you have to both the table. you brought your I, own i brought glass my bottle. own because i was at the dmv all day and then I really needed a Coke just to even be a human being. And then you provided me with this lovely fountain Coke and also a water and a half-eaten apple. That's mine. I brought that too. And I encourage you to eat the apple throughout the interview. <laughs> Thank you. You're a very, very busy person. So I you may. need to make sure you, you, are, you are sustained. And you just sustain myself. But I have to ask you. So okay. the show is called Angry Americans. Yes. There are a lot of issues that have Americans angry, ranging from you know our president's press conference a couple of hours ago to our failed mm-hmm. infrastructure. And, but we've never gotten to the yeah. DMV. And you just came from the DMV. I so did. Sam B on the DMV. I just, you know, I mean, I did definitely think that I was going to miss this recording. Like I was torn at the end because I was like, I've been here for four hours. I could be here for four more hours. I think I have to bail on this, but then I'm going to have to come back. I don't think the DMV would be bad if everybody had the same information at the same time. That's the only thing that I seek. I actually don't mind waiting. I understand. Like I can queue with the best of them. I bring a book. I've got it. I brought snacks. and that, But then you get to the person and they... We, they rejected all of my, for, they just rejected all of my ID. Like everything was, I had like banana clips on things. Like everything was perfect and pristine ready to go. Totally rejected my ID. They were like, you have to talk to a supervisor. I had to go back. So that was at the three and a half hour mark. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you still making the Canadian to American transition? Is no, that no, part no. of the challenge here? No, that is made. Okay. That has been made. There really was no evident challenge. And I had like, eight pieces of ID. I mean, I just could not have had more ID. And so then they put me in another line to talk to a supervisor and then I talked to the, and I was like, all right. So then I was sitting on the floor. I ate my lunch on the floor. There's no seats because there's like 800 people there. I talked to the supervisor. who was like, oh, all of this is fine. So then he put me back in the line to go talk to another person. And he was like, I don't know about this ID. I'm like, no, it's fine. I just talked to Roger, please. <laughs> like it really, I just want everybody to understand. That so how long were you there total? So four and a half hours. And there is, there is a, like some kind of high speed DMV in New York that I've been to that actually functions amazingly well. It what? feels like the Jetsons. I missed version it. of the DMV. And I, I went there once. I think it's just for like renewals or something basic. It's kind of right. like one medical where you can go for like just a flu shot, but not for Well, we surgery. all have to do, we have to get real IDs now. So yeah. to try to take flights. So the whole system is getting, it's going to be, uh, there's a big imbalance in the force for the next year. It's going to be a process. Anyway, it's fine. And I'm going to get a real ID. So I really have nothing to complain about. But in the moment I was like, what do I do? do and everyone around me is in the exact same everybody's so upset what is it like to be sam b at the dmv and then just it's, the sound of that like that's just a great hip-hop song for someone to write but sam b at the dmv it's, it's not like anything like can you just sit there and you know get yes. your renewal or do people come up to you and want to talk about the show and nobody talk about, wants to talk to me at really? the everybody's at the having a dmv experience they're all just pissed <laughs> You're all just, we, you say the military, yeah. we all bond in the suck. I would be, so you were all bonding. I'm together. telling you, I would be 
so shocked if there was a single human being at the DMV who identified me as a person from television. Like, I would be shocked. Everybody is like, head down, get to work. No one's looking around. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So. Did you think at any point, like a Giuliani or Trump henchman might come out and pull you aside and try to send you to Guantanamo for your criticism? Well, definitely. I'm intrigued by Operation Second Look. Do you know about no. Operation Second Look? Please tell me more. Well, um, they're doing, it's called Operation Second Look. It has another name also that's a more complex name. But basically, they're going back into nat- the files of naturalized citizens looking for small clerical errors or reasons to denaturalize citizens. And I am one of those people, so I'm definitely going to be deported. <laughs> yeah. Could, mm. could being a cast uh-huh. member of The Daily Show be an automatic disqualifier? It feels like it could. It'll be up there in some <laughs> stockade with John Oliver. And- I totally. Rob Riggle and who yeah. knows who else? Yeah, yeah. It didn't fill my heart with gladness when I read it today while I was at the DMV. That's scary shit. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Just because so much of what we talk about is news and current events and activism. Yes. Um, what has it been like for you, Sam? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I did Colbert's show in 2006, like a month after he started the show. Right. And it was, I think, the Tuesday after he did the White House Correspondence Dinner, my oh book came Oh my out. God, okay. And I met him in the back and he gave me the briefing about, hey, you know, I'm going to be a fake conservative and I'm nice now and I'm going to come on and be an asshole. And sure. I knew the shtick already. Yeah. But I asked him about the Correspondence Dinner and I saw the look on his face. Uh-huh. And I could tell that, you know, it was a level of threat you know, right. that he probably had never experienced in his life before right, as, right, right. as a satirist, as a comedian, as, as a person, right? He was so in the crosshairs and I think mm-hmm. was courageous and brave in taking on Bush at the time, maybe more effectively than anyone else had ever done to it his It was face, incredible. I mean, right? that really was an incredible moment. Yes. But it was very, very brave and I could see the look on his face that was frankly kind of fear it's like oh shit like yeah. this is a whole another level that would so, shake that would shake a person have you had sure. what, what is it like for you to be such an important mm. and i think powerful and and trusted oh. satirist and All even these, journalist i think that i want to get into this with you but there's no you guys are more you and the crew and we mm-hmm. can talk about them however you but sure but especially you have been so consistent and effective um when we when i was working at iaba and we mm-hmm. wanted to move obama we could we could go to the Hill, we could write letters, we could sign petitions. Right. When we wanted to move Obama, we talked to The Daily Show. Oh my God, And when really? there was one segment on The Daily Show about the VA yes. or about Obama fucking up something with vets, then they responded. Yeah. Nothing got their attention right. like The Daily Show. Nothing gets anyone's attention quite like a television segment about them. It's true, it's true. If you want to move the needle, that's a very effective, it's a very effective tool in your arsenal. I mean, I can tell you about something that we did recently on the show that did move the needle in a really weird way. It was like, a, almost like an experiment that we did. And we were like, will this make an impact will this have any impact will this if this thing that we do has an impact does that mean the whole system is bullshit the answer is yes mm-hmm. <laughs> of course mm-hmm. um i forgot what we were talking or about. that you're the future you know this <laughs> segment the, the or segment. that or that each and every person who has a problem like at the va needs to get a segment on television that's what I used to tell vets. Yeah. I was like, yo, your claim is fucked up. I have yeah. only one way that I can be sure it gets fixed. Yeah. If I put your ass on CNN. Yeah. If I put, and it happened time and time again, time I put time them again. on TV. 24 yes. hours later, they miraculously get a call. It's the opposite of the DMV. You miraculously get a call yeah. and your VA claim gets fixed. But everybody couldn't do that. 
I know. Um, but I know. your segment that you did recently had a, had a really we did unpredictable a segment, impact? It was unpredictable. It was a little experiment that we did. We were wanted to do a piece about the travel ban. And so we went to Djibouti to... There were all of these Yemeni refugees, who obviously families fleeing the war, who would qualify for U.S. citizenship because they had an American role. They had married an American, so there was really no... There would be no holdup in their visa except for the travel ban, which was applied without any like attention to sense. It really, there is no codified kind of version of the travel ban. It's just like an idea that these people from these countries just, it, their process gets fucked up and we can't tell you why. And we can't tell you what's going to grease the wheels. It just like is okay. So don't ask questions. Right. So all of these Yemeni families essentially were separated from their family members and stranded in the country of Djibouti because the only consulate that they could they had to be near the consulate and that consulate had moved to Djibouti. So all of these mothers were separated from their children, like young children, like young children living in Virginia with their moms in Djibouti with no access to any information, just stuck in this kind of morass of paperwork and this waiting game separated for years, some of them. And so we've shone a light on that story and Literally all of the families that we had in our piece got their visas and are now in the States and have been reunited with their families. But we only really talked to four or five families. It's all we could do. Very, we were so excited and thrilled that we could help those individual families. But there are hundreds of families just mm. like them who are separated from loved ones mm. with really no sense. They've all met all of the requirements. They've all met all of, they've been, they've passed all the tests. They've got all the check marks. There's no reason to keep them. They have no ties to anything nefarious. They're married to American citizens. Like it's all good. Mm. The process is zilch. It makes no sense. It's not applied with any kind of, it's not applied with any logic. It's another tweeted policy, right? It's, it's tweet. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's, it's garbage. It's a tweet that's not a policy. Like it's a piece the of trash. The ban and a variety yeah. of other things that pop out of his head, right? Yep. But Sam, you guys, you guys and gals, you were the only gal, I guess, at, at The Daily Show for mm -hmm. a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, when I look across the spectrum now over the last decade, you're mm -hmm. kind of like a super friends network. Right. right? Yeah. You, you're, yeah. You've all gone on to do different mm -hmm. things, but there's a through line. Mm -hmm. Right. You all have a, a social impact. You all have causes and you're all moving the needle. Well, I think we right? try to, whether it's successful or not, who, who really knows? I, I know and it's like, successful. Like as an activist, as someone who is clamoring for that attention and to try to move the needle to know that you all listen. Like, I think we met the first time um, when you were doing a piece and you yes. came into our headquarters, right? We did. Yeah. It was we, about the finding bin Laden piece. It was, right. it was about, wasn't it? It was about the waiting list at the VA. It was about the impossible waiting list yes. at the VA. Yes. And we talked to, we talked to, we came to the IAVA and then we talked to a bunch of soldiers who hadn't, who could, could not get access to medical care. Right. They did actually. And you drew the parallel, like trying to find their documents and records. Yes. Or like trying to find Bin Laden. Trying to find Bin Laden. Right? That's right. And, and you, it was really and funny. Could, it was probably easier to get answers on Bin Laden than it was on. Yeah. But what what did you learn from that? I mean, a lot of what you guys do is expose the 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 ridiculousness of a bureaucracy or how government doesn't work or politics doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, does it make you um, optimistic or does it make you frustrated? How do you feel about that now, having done this for a decade and a half or however long you've been doing it? Well, I mean, it's 
I mean, obviously it's incredibly frustrating, but like, I mean, the truth is if we couldn't, you know, it's like we're, we, we can only take an issue and put it just like over the top. There's like a lot of people doing the real work to get everything, to be preparing these cases, to be like pushing these issues. Like there's people just spinning their wheels and working relentlessly. So when we, if we can put something on TV and it kind of pushes it over, that's just the kind the tipping point of the work of this entire iceberg of people who've been pushing forward. Um, I think it's frustrating. It's revealing. Certainly you never, I don't think anything is surprising about it. Bureaucracy is ridiculous. The government administration's work at, at glacial pace and there often is no logic applied to the system. It just sucks in general to be stuck in it. Um, but then you get to meet excellent people along the way and you get to know who's doing the real work out there. I don't know. It's a, it's deeply, it's like, it's just a deeply moving, good experience to just get to tell these stories is true is really a, it's a privilege. I don't know. And I I think it's an act of patriotism. I think that the work that you all have done collectively and individually over the last decade and a half has been, you know, sometimes for people, it it was, um, you know, a voice of conscience. It was therapy. It was motivation. Um, do you all ever think about having kind of a Voltron moment where you reform together and bring the Super Friends <laughs> Network together? That's a really good an, idea. On an issue? I mean, it would be like you oh know, my God. candidates on stage last night, but if all of you came together with all of your audiences and focused <sighs> on the Godzilla that is Trump, right? I'm telling there- you that we ha- I have not thought of that, but you just told me that I should, and now... I can never unthink that. It's such a good idea. I'm an organizer, so I, I'm looking are. to see when you guys are going to come together. It's and, such a goddamn good idea. Well, after, well, especially, you know, we covered on this show at length the fight for 9-11 first responders. Sure. And the, veterans, veterans, uh, the Victims' Compensation Fund. Yeah. And so many times we were grinding away. We've had Rob Sarah on, who's been a hero. He's in a mm-hmm. wheelchair. He's literally in a wheelchair of a, of a guy. Uh, two guys owned the wheelchair before him, and they're both dead. Right. And- it, when John Stewart came in, mm-hmm. right, and with the the broader network that surrounds him, mm-hmm. it was like um, it, it was it was like a, like a laser guided missile. Right. I mean, it blows up the national discussion mm-hmm. in a way that nothing else can. Right. I mean, I, right. I don't know if there's anybody who can captivate the media and captivate Capitol Hill and bring that intersection together and really focus it into one thing, which right. is pressure. Right. And and sometimes, most of the time, it's shame. Shame. Right? Shame really is an incredible motivator. Yeah. Unfortunately, you would love to sort of imagine, you kind of like imagine, you can idealize government when you're a kid or you're growing up and you're learning about civics and you're like, people are in it for the right reasons. And a lot of people are. And that definitely a lot of so many people in government are trying to do the right thing, but that can get lost. The ambition to always win can really obfuscate the original goal I feel. And that is distressing. When you all were on the show together, did you recognize how powerful it was? Like, I think they'll they'll go back and look at it in the same way, the early days of Saturday night live or something, the, the amount of talent that was consolidated in that one cast and, you know, at the same time, um, crossing into the powerful currents of what was happening in our time politically is, in my view, is real, was really historic. I mean, it's the legacy and the spirit of Mark Twain. It's like the great power of satire and comedy 
and truth telling, right? And that's what was so powerful about it. But when you guys were all together. I think we were just all like struggling to be in TV. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we were all just like, I got to go get my makeup done and I'm going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota tomorrow. And, I, you know, you're just kind of like in it. And I, I don't even know that any of us would sit around. I don't think that there's a, to a person that we would sit back and go, we're incredibly powerful. Thank you so <laughs> much for finally acknowledging. No, like, no, I think we just... The one thing that we all did, I think, and through the and John led us to that place, was truly figure out what our point of view is and like how to lean into that. And then all of our various projects kind of grew, and we so many of us kind of followed that path and deepened our point of view. And that's a it's a great it's 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 great. I, there's not another job in the television industry that i would really want to do once i don't do this anymore i'm going to be like an onion farmer <laughs> it's like all you, or nothing i'm sure you'll be a very talented <laughs> onion farmer um wasn't new york called the big onion before it was called the big apple was you know it that? yes well is it a, is more of an onion than an apple yeah, yeah. They, they used to grow onions downtown and it Fantastic. was uh it, yeah there's a great tour company called the big onion tour company that's if you're listening and you're in, the in new world? york or visiting new york i highly recommend it my friend was a history <gasps> phd and used to be a tour guide there oh my anyway, god really you know tangent but no, that's but, a good tangent. But when we watched the show, we could feel these moments where you guys would, you know, throw the ball back and forth to each mm -hmm. other, right? And, and you could see that voice sharpen and grow. Sure. And I think yours especially, you know, grew over time because of your talent and because of the issues and because of, you know, the moments. But I'm I, also I felt like, like old. No, well, I'm not. <laughs> I don't, but like. I'm, I got nothing left to lose. We got lose. three presidential candidates that are almost 80. You're not it's old. It's true. But like, you know, there's something to, I think there's actually something to that idea of like having nothing, not not nothing left to lose, but like, like I'm turning 50. I'm like, I'm going to go for it. I'm fucking going for it. I don't care. I don't have anything left to prove to anyone. I don't like, it is life changing to kind of come into an age where you're like, I'm going to say what I need to say while I have this platform. I'm going to use it for whatever I'm going to use it for. And when I'm done and someone cancels me or whatever, that's okay too. Like it's just balls to the wall while you can. And then you're done. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. There's no other I do, way to see I do. it. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, my time is fleeting and a big part of my transition into the media was recognizing that I had a lot of ammunition left in my heart. Right. And I wanted to spend it. You know, and and I I wasn't moving the needle enough, frankly, in the nonprofit space. And, okay. And the 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 media landscape, taking inspiration from you and so many others, the way you're able to focus that spotlight on an issue and galvanize people and give them hope, you know, and, and remind them what the values are about. So Sam, where does that where does that come from from for you when you were growing up? Like, what made you give a shit about politics and about the world? Um, that's. You know, my mom was actually very political. My mom was quite political. And I do recall being very angry with her, actually, because there were like foods that we couldn't have. Like I wanted her to buy grapes for my lunch. And she was like, we don't have, we don't get grapes because migrants are not, <laughs> you know, because migrant workers are treated poorly and the crops are sprayed with pesticide and it hurts, it harms people and families. So no grapes for you. Here's an apple, like from a local orchard. So like, it was very annoying to me as a child. It's not like I embraced that worldview at all. It was terrible. But it I think it just 
was part of how I grew up and my grandmother was quite conservative and so they would fight about politics and my grandmother I mean, I grew up in Canada, so my grandmother thought Ronald Reagan was incredible, and my mom thought he was horrible. And so, you know, as a kid, we watched 60 Minutes every week, and we watched the Iran-Contra hearings, and I was just a kid. I mean, I was really just a kid watching these hearings. So I just think it was a part of—it was just like kind of a part of who I was. I took political science in college, and it just grew from there. It was just an interest and a passion, and I never in a— in a million years would have thought this is what I will do for a living or this is the path that I will take. But looking back on it, it it's, it's logical that I would one day host a TV show. <laughs> the end. Well, I think America is, is better for it. Uh, Canada is better for it. The world is better for it. But going back in the way, way back machine, Sam, uh, yeah. um, when you were in Canada, if mm-hmm. it was in Canada, uh, Sam B, what was your first car? Oh my God. Okay. Well, my first car, I had a, like, okay. I learned to drive. I learned to drive on a Camaro in my dad's Camaro, which was like as long, had as long a hood as the Batmobile. I could not see over it, but I loved it. So I still wish that we had that car. I mean, I, I dream of that Camaro. It was incredible. My first car. Do you know what year that Camaro was? Uh, no, I do not. But it was like, you know, the classic, like, super 70s brown, like... What color? It was blue. It was actually navy blue. And the inside was brown. You know, of course. Yeah, of course. As as one does. (laughs) My first car that I bought, I paid $800 for it, was a tan cutlass Supreme with a brown fabric interior, like brown velour interior that was incredible. It was such a good car and it just was like the best beater, but sort of unreliable. I'll be honest with you. I love a car with a gigantic engine. That's clear. (laughs) My first car was, I've never, I don't think I've talked about it. My first car Mm -hmm. was a Cutlass Supreme. What? It was it was an '82 Cutlass. Oh my and it god! Was, uh, tan with the brome package interior, which was like a navy blue, but kind of like a wow. couch. That's yeah, it's and like I, a sofa, like a yeah. like a tufted sofa. And I bought it from my mother's friend Shelley's father, Irving. Great. Okay? And he and they had cats. Okay. And so Irving was like in his 80s and couldn't drive anymore. Sure. And he had been a, a competitive diver in his day when he was younger. Oh my God. But uh, when I got the car, I got it for like, I don't know, a couple hundred, maybe 800 bucks, less than a thousand bucks. Sure. But the deal was that it was covered in cat hair. Okay. It was a brome velvet. The roof was velvet, but it was cat hair. <laughs> oh my God. So my first job, like getting this car on the road was getting uh-huh. a super vacuum and, and almost pulling it out by hair. I bet. By, by hand. Yeah. But the hair just kind of caked the entire inside of the car. Of course. But it also, the only thing bigger than the engine was the trunk. Huge. And we used to play a game, how many people could you fit in the trunk? How many people could you fit in the trunk? Depend on the size of the people. I never but. put any people in my trunk <laughs> of my brown car. Living people. I should, <laughs> yeah, I should write living people. All right. right? All right. Yes. Um, yes. My car, my Cutlass Supreme, had a lot of cigarette burns in it. Yes. Because you would smoke in your velour car. Yes. And butt the cigarette in your, in your upholstery. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. And I, the old cigarette lighter. Which yep. now is almost unimaginable, where you push the thing in and get this hot, gigantic piece of, or hot, oh, like hot piece a of burning, metal. 
ember, yeah. like yeah. a red burning piece yeah. of fire. Yeah. In your hand, just, in a car <laughs> while you're driving. That your kids could, and then, you know, it was, your children would just like roll around in the back seat or the front seat yes. across the bench. Yes. My dad had a brown duster and I would just slide, like we would go on family vacations and I would just slide across the Naga hide and back like all the way to Florida, just sliding across the Naga hide. I guess when it got hot, you would stick to the Naga hide and that was like a seatbelt. <laughs> Naga hide is a great word to say. Mm-hmm. Between Djibouti and Naga hide, I feel like those are I'm kind bringing, of comedic gold. I'm bringing some incredible words you are. <laughs> today. You are. But you, so I want to, I want to, I want to take a step back. Sure. Thinking about this powerful role that you play, whether you admit it or not, um, the candidates kind of come to you. Right, and I don't know if they're coming to you now. They don't come to your, me anymore. If they haven't, they will. They will. Like you know, and and last mm-hmm. night was the latest Democratic debate. So mm-hmm. I'm dying to get your thoughts. What did you think of the debate last night? I we you know we like live tweeted it. So we all. I don't think there was a person. To be perfectly honest, I don't think there any of us wanted to watch it. I think there's like eight more, and it definitely felt like there were still too many people on that stage mm-hmm. at this point in the game Mm -hmm. uh i thought that there were you know they didn't really talk about hong kong there were lots of things they didn't really talk about i didn't know i didn't see anyone raise that that's a really good point that they didn't bring up hong kong especially after lebron made controversial statements within the last 48 hours came up very it was like very brief it was like 10 seconds of of hong kong they didn't really talk about the about climate change they didn't really talk about the environment at at all Um, they finally talked about women's reproductive justice. Like that was many debates in, they really hadn't talked about it until mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, still back on the healthcare tip. There's we're talking a lot about healthcare. I was appreciative that they spoke about the Kurds I was appreciative that they spoke about that situation. Cause they went pretty far into the debate. I was like, is this whole, first of all, I thought it was going to be two hours and then it was three. Yeah. That third that hour was tough, right? That was, that was a like, moment. Is there a baseball game on? What am I missing? <laughs> you know. Third hour gets tough. These things are good to watch. It's good. It's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I is don't there know a candidate or candidates that are jumping out? And, and I think you've been a very effective and powerful voice for women in this moment in time. Thank you. It's nice and, to see them up there killing yeah. the game. But thoughts on the candidates broadly? I mean, is is there someone that spoke to you or that like if you and, and if you had to put your money on somebody, like who are you betting on? I to? that I don't you know, I just don't have a bet on anyone. Like I I don't know. I don't know who's gonna take it. I really don't. It's it's pretty it's interesting. I can't say I mean I like a lot of them. I like I like Elizabeth Warren, I like Kamala Harris a great deal. I like Mayor Pete. I like I like a whole bunch of them and have for you different reasons. Most of them? No, I really any haven't. Of, any of them? I've interviewed Elizabeth Warren. She came on the show ages ago, really, and I was supposed to do it again. But now that she's like, she's harder to get. You know, she's hard to get now mm-hmm. that she's kind of like front runner style. So I don't really expect a lot of them to come and talk to me. I don't think it does them a ton of favors to be seen on my show because my show has such a an entrenched point of view. I think they like to play it safer Mm. game which i do understand Mm. and actually if i'm really being philosophical about it it's better for me not to oh kamala was on the she was great too she talked about her education plan but like at this point it's actually kind of better for me to have a bird's eye view of it i prefer that generally Mm -hmm. than having to 
be close to someone who I I I, I don't know. No, it's, I understand it's what you mean. Not, I think it's better to kind of be in it, but not of it. I prefer that generally. Like, I prefer that my relationship with Hollywood is like that. Like, I really don't have those. I don't have deep connections to people in the entertainment industry, particularly, or anything like that. I think it's kind of better to orbit a little bit and kind of be yeah. share a little bit of oxygen, but not a lot. Rachel Maddow has always made the same argument to me. It's why she, she has in the past given me her ticket to the white house correspondence dinner. Mm-hmm. Cause she does not want to go and, you it's know, really and, icky. And pal up with people yeah. that she has to cover. And she argues that more yeah. journalists should do that. But it also takes me to, your real, I think one of the capstone things you've done was a counter programming to the White House Correspondents yes. Center. Yeah. And uh, is that going to be an annual event no. going forward? Because I've been to the real course. Well, yours is probably much more real, but I've been to the other White House oh, Correspondents Center a couple times. You should times. have come to ours. It's so I much w- would more so much rather come here, especially <laughs> this one. This year sucked. It was oh, just like yeah. so Ooh. lame. Wait, how it many really have you was. gone to? Which ones have you gone to? I think to? I've gone to three. Gone to three. I was at the one when they got Bin Laden. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then I was at the one this time. And then um, I think I've been to one other one. So you went to the Ron Chernow one and you were at the Bin Laden one. Yeah. I the was Bin Laden at- one where I think where, where, where actually Obama was the star. Like yes. his, his stuff was so good. And I've known uh, Kevin Blyer and other mm-hmm. people who, I don't know if it's official or not, have written stuff for the White House in the right. past. Right. So he had some great writers yes. and he had great comedic timing. Yeah. And I really feel like Obama was like the star of those, sure. those events. He did a great, yeah, he could, he could deliver a joke. Like yeah. he could, he could really deliver a joke. The only one I ever went to, I only went one time. I was so pregnant with my kid, with my son. And I went to one that was a George W. Bush one. And who's the Scottish? Oh God, I'm so terrible with names. The Scottish comedian. I know who you he mean. He had a show for like a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, he's very, very funny. The guy was on CBS, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He's great. He he did the. It was fine. Yeah, but he was the guy before they got like James Corden, and they picked yes. another guy with an accent to take the late night spot right. on CBS, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah, but it was so. It was so awkward because all of the people who were getting because they have that whole section where they give everybody the awards for the incredible journalism that they did all year and literally all of the winning stories that year were like george w bush is a war criminal (laughs) and they would win so they were like come on up and receive your plaque and they knew they would go up and they'd be like thank you for writing the article george w bush is a war criminal and then you had to stand there and take a picture with george w bush with a little framed thing that was like (laughs) <laughs> you're a murderer click so it is a very it's a kind of a nonsense event what, what do you think now <laughs> sam when you think back to bush compared to trump now listen george i am not a fan of george w bush's i'm no fan of george w bush like he's i so they're they're difficult it's difficult to compare anyone to donald trump truly he is blazing a trail I can't say that I would want to go back to the Bush years. That's just not the case. He obviously (laughs) made some grave mistakes that have resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. So I'm not going to sanction that. But uh, it super seems like we're going down that path again. And as my feelings toward our current administration are are pretty clear. But he is. But what are they they in the last... In the last 24 hours, right? because oh they keep spiraling. Before we came in here, he did a press oh conference God. where he, he said the PKK is oh worse than yeah. ISIS. I and can't. then he shit on the Kurds some more. 
And he said American troops had no ammunition when he got elected. I mean, it's just, he said that again today. He did. Yeah. He says it every day now. He says that that when he came in, troops had no ammunition and that a general told him that they needed ammunition. And of (laughs) course, every story ends with somehow him riding in to save the day. Of course. Right? But um, but, I don't even. The last 24, 48, I mean, how do you write this stuff, Sam? Right? Like when I go to write this show, it's hard because it keeps spiraling while you're writing. You must be so angry right you must be so fucking angry right now right i have a show called angry americans but i think but i think we all should be angry we should all be angry this is insanity this is just not this is i am actually so grateful that we don't have a show this week because i don't know how you take this information and this absolute like tragedy and calamity and try to make a comedy show. Like we had a vacation week last week, actually. We had a and it felt like a calamity the entire week. You're just we did a piece on the Kurds. We went to we went to Iraq. We shot with people. We met people. These people are our allies. They're getting shot in the streets. And it's our fault. I can't I I'm sorry. I can't no. handle it. No, I, I appreciate your candor. I think you often speak for a lot of people from their heart. And that's what I want to do in this show and what I think people need right now. And it's why they need your work so badly. Like it's, they sometimes, you know, whether it's your work, and I've said this to Rachel and others, you know, it seems like it's spinning out of control. And oftentimes people look up and say, holy shit, just help me understand what the fuck is happening. How do we make right sense now. of this? Like right? yeah. this yeah. tornado. Because part of your job and now my job is to try to look at it and prioritize sure. it and help people understand what is important. Maybe something you missed, maybe a new angle on it. But but your sword is so powerful in the way that you you break it down. But when you look at the whole spectrum, yes, right? what, Sam B, what makes you angry? Well, that makes me angry. I actually, I just feel like, you know, uh, well, I mean, where do you even begin? I just think, well, obviously, the the almost nearly the entirety of the administration makes me angry right now, particularly. I mean, I'm not even going to say particularly today, but this is, I mean, even asking this question in the, with this as the backdrop feels insane, but they consistently make me angry. Like I can't, sometimes we just have trouble at our job, like even processing how angry we feel. But what, what, <laughs> what is the most appalling thing to me is I feel like Putting him aside, putting him and his weird family, his terrible family aside just for a moment, there are people, there must be people in his midst, in his midst, in the administration who like just haven't drawn a line in the sand for themselves or they're just crossing and zigzagging back and forth across it perpetually. Like how can you be in a room with someone who suggests that we should shoot people in the legs at the border wall to disable them so they can't get over the wall. How can you honestly be in a room with a person who's suggesting that and not fucking stand up, quit your job, walk the fuck out the door, and tell everybody what you just heard? Are you kidding me? What job is worth it? What job in our government is worth it to cross back and forth over these like abominable 
moral and ethical lines. Who the fuck are these people? Who the fuck is Lindsey Graham? Are you kidding me? You don't have a moral compass at all. You just wiggle waggle all over the place. Get the fuck out of this government. I'm sorry. I'm getting so angry right now. No. But like. It's justified. That's why we did this show. Because I think part of, Sam, what we wanted to do was was tell people it's okay to be angry. Because oh it's a very God. real emotion. And, the, you know, I've made the argument that the kind of people who are who are there and who are okay with this are, are one of two types. Either, either they're ignorant and there are some people out there in America that are ignorant. Sure. Or you have something to gain personally. And that's how fascism works, right? Like you say, oh, okay, I'll shoot him in the legs and I'll be okay with that because my political career or my personal wealth or my whatever. What will, makes will it benefit. worth it? I don't think it's worth it. Like it's that, really. That's a, it's a calculation that some will make, right? Sure. You Whether go, it's okay. Lindsey Graham or. My goal is whoever. to remake the judiciary. Right. Okay. And that's like the ultimate goal. So right. I'll accept any of these consequences on the path to that. Like, that's it? That's your line? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I actually, when early on in the show, I talked to this woman who I admire so greatly. She's a brilliant writer, Masha Gessen. She's amazing. She's had experience with people like this. Um, and she said something so that has stayed with me. I have not wavered for from it for one second. She was like, when... Basically, when a strongman type enters office, when something like this happens, you draw a line for yourself and then you just, the only way to keep your head up and your eyes clear is you draw a line from yourself and you never, ever cross that line. You can come up, you just never cross it. And I did. I drew it for myself and I know exactly what it is. And I will never cross it. I will never cross it. I just can't believe that people don't approach their life's work that way. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh my God, what is worth it? I can't answer that question for other people. I know what's not worth it for me. Hmm. Would you Would you ever run for office, Sam? Never. Not in one million years. I don't want to. I don't think that's my strength. I don't think that plays to my strength. I don't think that it would be comfortable for me. I don't, that's just not how, it's not how I see myself. Like ultimately we're talking about all this like stuff that makes me angry and I'm getting all flushed talking about it, but I don't, I don't think I'm well equipped for that. I don't think I'm built for it. Mm. I think I'm built basically to make jokes and feel passionately about issues and do what I can in this moment to do the things that I think are important. And then ultimately it will be my job to step aside and support others who mm. For them, that's their life's work. I, I say it because you have the ability and the expertise and the qualifications and the passion. And I and I I, I challenge you with that question and some of my guests with that question because mm -hmm. I think part of this is not to, to criticize you in any way, but too mm -hmm. many people are on the sidelines, right? Right. And too many people said, you know what, I'm not going to run. And then Lindsey Graham runs again, right? Right. But if you know, we could pick if if John Stewart ran against Lindsey Graham. Right. He'd probably win. Like, or, you know, we could pick different examples sure. in, in a time when the intersection of entertainment and politics is maybe at the highest point we've ever seen, where we right. have literally a reality show television president. I think there, there's a distinct power in, in your ability to communicate, your ability to understand issues and your ability to motivate people. Like anyone who just heard you 
in that couple of minutes is going to be inspired. Oh. And you're speaking to them in a very, very deep way. And Have you ever met Amy McGrath? Uh, yes, we met- interviewed her about two months ago. She was oh, our she guest was here great. about two months ago. Yes. She's great. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. She's good. And, and she is trying her hardest to fix Kentucky's fucked up reputation right she now is. after not just uh, Mitch McConnell, but Rand Paul, too, who is the only guy who blocked the 9-11 first responders bill yes. and the only guy really who's defending Trump on this Curtis, on this Curtis shit right yeah. now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think Amy McGrath is is one to watch. I hope mm-hmm. she can get the traction. I hope so, too. Um, have, do you, have you, can you talk about the app? So you, you actually are oh, involved yeah. in politics in a lot of other ways, sure. right? And the new app is another okay. way to get at I think it's really cool. So we're releasing, we're doing an app. It'll be released, I think it's going to be end of October, beginning of November. Just kind of have to watch for it a little bit. I think it's really interesting. It's actually really, it's really funny. We did a game last year around this time called This Is Not a Game, The Game. And it was super fun. It was like a, it was like HQ basically, but political and, and funnier. It was and better. It was very fun. It was, it was a HQ's very funny great, game. The, the it, yeah. Comedy kind of sucks. But we, <laughs> it does. ours is really funny. Yeah. Ours is really, really funny. Yeah. So we like the kind of the goal of that game. I, I got interested in the idea of gamification because I had done a piece about it and I was like, this is a cool concept that I can't believe in all these years I've never heard of before. So we wanted to apply those principles of gamification to the election and see if a game that was informative but funny and kind of like gave you information in a way that was like really super palatable could drive any kind of voter engagement or voter turnout or like voter activity. We are now sifting through the data from that game and it's a very interesting and cool. And actually it did have a surprising impact um, anyway, I can't really get into it because I don't have the data in front of me, but it was very, very interesting. So I was like, okay, let's take what we it learned. sounds kind of Facebook scary. No, <laughs> yeah. The, it's like the opposite of Facebook scary because you can't tell you what it says, but it, but we know it's like all about kind of, it's all about making people keep their promise to vote. Mm. It really was all about like reminding people enough to remain engaged and kind of capture their attention for long enough to actually like drive them to the polls. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, I'm very careful with data. Mm. (laughs) Everybody, I have tremendous respect for people's data and their privacy. I know that you do. It is That's why I gave you an opportunity to clarify. Locked down. Yes. Yes. But in the app, they can also, people can shift their alliances from different candidates. So this app, we are doing our own primary. So we are taking all of the candidates, basically. We're taking all of the Democratic candidates and we're going to have our own, it's going to be like fantasy football meets HQ. So same funny same it's actually it's like a hilarious game but you're going to play for the candidate of your choice so if you're a bernie if you're a bernie person you're going to play for bernie and you answer our trivia questions and you get answers correctly and points go into like bernie sanders and so we'll have a leaderboard and the candidates will be in this like kind of fantasy football style race to the top at the end of the game the the candidate who wins is going to get a huge pile of money for their political campaign like we know that people need like a billion dollars to wage a proper campaign. So the candidate who wins our game could get like a check for $250,000. It's money like real money for their 
real money for their real campaign. And I think what's really super brilliant about this app is that you don't even have to like me to play the game. Like you don't have to like yeah. agree with my point of view, but if you love Andrew Yang and you're part of the Yang gang and yeah. you hate me, you still play for Andrew Yang, enjoy the game, but you're really playing for Andrew fucking Yang, like actual Andrew Yang. Is there any way that Andrew Yang doesn't win this? I mean, like the Yang gang is full of math nerds who mm. want to, who know about gamification uh-huh. and who understand technology. Like if there's an, if there's a, if there's a Vegas betting pool on your app, sure. I'm putting my money on Andrew Yang. Well, I may- think Andrew Yang's going to crush everyone. <laughs> Allow like- me to introduce you to the Marianne Williamson Orb people. Oh! <laughs> who are a powerful Ooh. and gigantic And can Tom Steyer spend force. enough money to overwhelm the gang? The, the game? Can, <laughs> can he, he like hire bots? Can he just take his money and do get- something else with it? I don't know. He's just kind of content. I was so pissed to see him on the stage because oh I felt like he just God. bought his way up there. But I can't let you get off Marianne Williamson. Like, okay. Sam B, Marianne Williamson, yeah. go. She, her, she has legions of fans. And so I encourage them to play our game, (laughs) but she could take it. And, you know, like it would be kind of hilarious for our game if we ended up truly begrudgingly giving Marianne Williamson $250,000 for a presidential campaign. It would, it would hurt my heart greatly. I really would want it to go to the person who I think, but it is going to go to the candidate with the most engaged fans, actually. I can't wait to see how this goes. I know. This is so much fun. The more the merrier. It's so, we could get so crazy. And actually in this case, I super welcome it because I feel like we do these projects because they're, we're curious about Mm -hmm. them and we're like, all right, let's do an experiment. It's Mm -hmm. not like Let's just see how this turns out. But you, I don't but know. you make politics fun and you make it accessible and you get people involved. And I think that's another through line of the work that you've done is that you really, you know, for, for some folks, you're their newspaper, you're their politics. And you, you know, you're going to be an on-ramp into people running for Congress and starting organizations and, and being involved in the process in a way that's really, really important. I mean, I that, that's why I look at you almost like a candidate, right? Like mm. you have a ground game. You have really dedicated folks that would follow you anywhere. I appreciate and, that you say on-ramp because that makes a lot of sense to me. I've never heard it described that way, but like on-ramping people to care about issues and to kind of like leave the show, like you yeah, have fun yeah. to watch the show. It's fun. It's cool, whatever. But if it leads you down a path where you're inter- become interested in subject matter or you like it kind of elucidates something for you in a different way, that's really, that's the mm. sweet spot. And I appreciate that you, you don't just talk shit and you don't just make jokes. Like you actually deliver impact. And how much did you raise for Planned Parenthood in the effort that you- I think a million dollars. That was great. That was really, really and great. that's very, very helpful to Planned Parenthood. Like this $250,000 will be significant to a campaign. I mean, this is actually moving the needle. It's not just talking. It's giving people well, an on-ramp, but an impact as well. And a magnified impact because they're in it together. That's the hope. We're always looking for ways that we can be active and kind of, you know, we all- I guess we generally all feel like, well, if you have this TV show, you might as well do something good with it, like while you can. So it's not just a mm. thing that existed and then stops existing. You're you're also a parent, and you're making sense of this yes. for America. But uh-huh. um, how do you make sense of this for children, and maybe for new parents? You know, like my kids are younger than yours, mm-hmm. but um, any advice? Um, cause you are experienced as you've said, but in, in how, 
to to make sense of times like this as a parent because you, um, you talked about your mom doing that for you in such a way that shaped your entire trajectory. Right. So, well, I definitely I don't sh- I don't I don't actually I think it would surprise people to know that I don't super indoctrinate my children. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like they're just through osmosis receive a lot of because I'm constantly it's the bane of their existence, but like I wake up in the morning and I'm listening to NPR and then I switch over to the daily and then I go over to Trump Inc. And I'm like always listening to something newsworthy in the morning. It's just kind of my routine. I find it really relaxing and healthy and they truly hate it. But I think they're receiving the information just because they're present, Mm. which I think is all I really need to do. And if they have questions, we talk about their questions. Like we I try to take the time that I spend walking them to school because we have like a mile and a half walk to their school in the morning that we like to do every day. And I really, I really treasure and love it. So that's a time when mostly they don't want to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, they're like, please get away from us. But I force myself on them. And that's actually like, they're kind of open to, they're more open to receiving information then. So like we talked about, well, when, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered. They heard about it on the news and they were confused by it. They didn't really understand what had happened. They kept hearing like fragments of the story. And so we would talk about that on the way to school. And it really, I just spoke frankly about it. They're not babies. You know what I mean? I don't, I try not to sugarcoat it. They don't watch, it's not like they watch my show. They couldn't care less what I do for a living. They are not interested in the least Um, but I love talking about news stories and kind of breaking them down for them. And I love that their little, their engagements are so interesting. They're so worried. They're worried about the climate. Like I love watching these mini activists growing inside my home, my lair. (laughs) Yes. 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 That's, that's really powerful because you're just, you're, you're leading by example and, and they're seeing how to be activists. And I think, you know, I, I think you will find over time, Sam, if you don't know it now, that there are, are probably millions of especially young Americans who have been similarly inspired by your leadership. Well, it's like, learn about what the world around you, like go see the world around you, like yeah. actually talk to people. Yeah. Like there's Before it a creeps whole... in and blows up your world. Totally. Like my, the... my colleague used to say, you know, if you're not into politics, politics is into you. Oh, totally. And politics is into all of us now more yeah. than ever. Like but... it's important to see yourself. I feel like for kids, it's important for them to see themselves in, in context. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. So Sam, I want to ask you the last question. That's a pillar question I ask of every guest. Okay. And you've been so candid on the anger and God, I'm so sorry. I think I like erupted. No, it's a really bad news. Can I? Can I? I want you. Maybe I want. I want to stand there for a second if I can. Uh huh. So a lot of folks were uncomfortable with the the title of this show. Of the title of your show? Yeah, because I called it Angry Americans, And, and some folks, the only folks that I've found who say, you know, I'm not angry or I'm uncomfortable with it, are liberal men. Mostly liberal white men. Okay? Really? Yeah. Everybody else is angry. Everybody else sure. is pissed off. Right. Like, it's what do you got to be angry young about? People, people of color. <laughs> right. But 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 um. But I've also seen. We didn't know what the gender breakdown of this audience was going to be like. Okay. And it's been almost fifty fifty. And and I I wonder if you have thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to ask you to be the ambassador for all women everywhere. I've been asked to be the ambassador for all vets everywhere so many times. Right. But 
but but what are your thoughts on whether or not women in particular have a uh, more more right to be angry, but also maybe um, are, are now getting into a point where where they can talk about it more aggressively, right? Well, like there's a time right now where I think everybody should be angry, but sure. I think women and I'm not a woman, but I think women especially should be angry right now. But 20 years ago, it wasn't cool to be angry. It wasn't You don't talk about anger in the same way you don't, don't talk really about talk pain. About it you don't anymore. talk about loss. Don't talk right? about loss. Don't talk. Yeah. And, and everything's like conversation about civility and like, let's like make sure we're all like, let's make it even keeled and let's make sure we're all being nice to each other. And I'm kind of like, I'm over that. I feel like it's healthy to talk about. It's healthy to talk about your body and it's healthy to talk about your experience. And like people have hidden in their, in the shadows and in abusive situations and in the wrong sexual identity for like hundreds of, as long as people have existed, people have held on to these like life changing gut busting secrets. And I am not a fan of that. I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's right. I think we have to talk. We're not like it's just not we don't live in the Victorian era. Yeah. We can talk to each other. It's yeah. it helps. Like when the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were happening, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me and and for some people and people I have known all my life for the, it was the first time they ever talked about the time they were sexually assaulted in high school. And I was like, what is happening? Like just the lid, if the lid off the Tupperware comes off, it's good. Put mm -hmm. light and air on these societal ills. It is the time to do it. There has never been a better time. I love the name of your show. It's like super catchy to me. Well, you know, it's appealing to me. <laughs> like angry Americans, where do I sign up? Do do we do that in a room with all of these car simulators? Yes. Well, there 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 are some notable people who will remain nameless. Really? Sure. Who told me the name was too much. Okay. They wouldn't come on the show. <gasps> Honestly. Well, he said, you know, it's a little too much. It's a little too scary. Well, you know, I'm not angry, and you know, some of it's like sure. overly theoretical. It's so silly. It, yeah. Everybody's got stuff they're angry about, I think and it's so. really like I think so. Or everybody's and got it's okay. It's it, it, we need to talk about it, and, and you can feel better, and to know you're not alone. That's a big part of the theme of the show. Is there's a community around the show. Yes. But we also, you know, want to also add inspiration and 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 some positivity. So Sam yes. B, what yes. makes you happy? My family makes me. So, that is like the ultimate. That is ultimate happiness for me. My family, my children, make me so happy. I can't even tell you. They are my everything. They're everything to me. I go home at night. It's like it's like safety. I don't know. I just feel remade at the end of every day when I go home and I'm with my kids. We, I love them so much. Everything I do, I feel, is really for them. Like to give them a a good life and put good, well-rounded, good human beings, like to make them better human beings than me and my husband, like to produce offspring who can exceed what we have done or just be better in general. It's the greatest joy of my life. Like it's my birthday in a couple of weeks and my husband's taking me away. We've been married for 18 years and all I wanted to do on this birthday was go away, just like be somewhere else, just wake up in another country, 
just mm-hmm. three days, whatever. No big deal. And so everyone's like, oh, it's just you and Jason. Are you guys going away? And I'm like, no, we're bringing our children. We want, we're a family. Mm. We're together. We love each other. I am trying to keep them small by giving them coffee and cigarettes so they never grow up. <laughs> kind of really trying to stunt their growth and development so they won't always live with me and love me. And they can have the grapes. <laughs> no grape banning going on in your Well, generation. I'm buying the ethical grapes. Right. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I think that you you are setting an incredible example. And I think in times like this, you know, family is so critical. And not just real family, but also a spirit of family and respect and love and compassion and teaching. And um, I think that that oozes out of everything you do and everything you touch. And you're... Your audience is kind of an extended family. It really Don't is. you think, honestly, that like in this time when I really, truly feel like the country is in crisis, that you have met better people, like hordes of amazing people that you never would have met otherwise? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and I, I think the generate the post 9-11 generation is potentially our next greatest generation. Right? They mean, talk about the World yeah. War II generation that stepped up and did so much. I really think the young people of this country, especially people who were born and raised post 9-11, around 9-11, have a level of, of awakening and connection mm-hmm. and activism. Yeah. Right? Like when I came home and started IVA in like 2004, the idea of like marching in the streets was radical. Right. Right? It was like nobody's going to march in the streets. Now it's like a weekly fucking thing. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 it's where kids go on a Friday night. It's like, Hey, let's go down the climate March. And like that, that it's become cool. I think is one of the greatest silver linings. And there's also as a parent, you know, oftentimes when Bush would come on TV, I'd look at the TV and I was an activist. So he'd come on, he'd say some dumb shit. And I'm like, all right, here's my coffee. I'm ready to go. Right. Right. He would motivate me every morning. And then Obama was really an example. I think Mm -hmm. just as a person. And, um, I was starting a family when, when he was president and now I have kids under Trump. And I try to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And my son, I so said, he came up with this. He says, Trump is like the Grinch. He's four. Right. And so he says, he's, he's the Grinch. He's grumpy. He's mean. Mm-hmm. And he came up with that because he's watching. And if Trump can be the anti-example, right. I'm okay with that. Like if I say to him, don't be like that guy. Yeah. Don't be that kid in the class. Don't be the bad kid. Don't be the rude kid. Don't be the mean kid. Right. Then maybe there's you know a silver lining in that too, that he mm. can be what not to be like for an entire generation. Sure. And, and I think that's real. I mean, it, it's not, you know, it's still completely and totally fucked up. And who knows what crazy shit he said just in the hour we've been sitting here. I God only knows. But but um, voices like yours are multiplying. And yours. And, well, I appreciate that. And I have a final thanks to you. Uh, we do a giving of the gifts, which <gasps> is a do? ceremonial part I of the show. Yes. I didn't bring a gift. I just you don't brought have an to. old you're the, apple. You're, you're the guest. So we have oh my three God, things thank you. for you um, in this we, our bags are getting fancier. We didn't even Should I to, do I open please it? Please open it. Yes. Okay. I can even hold your my, mic if you I'll want. I'll put this here. So there's three oh things. Oh god. So this is great. Uh some merch nice. and it says angry oh on the front. God. So you can use that I and it's American it. made by veterans. Love it. And uh Oh my god. And we got you blue. Great. Thank and then you. this is a, a different part of the show. And okay. I'm going to ask you to pick your mic up so folks can hear your Okay. So every guest since we yeah. started the show, I think mm-hmm. Ron episode 29 okay uh has been asked to choose between three colors of peeps okay i know Pink, what my choice is blue or yellow sam b which would you choose and why i would choose yellow because that's the color of actual chicks hmm. 
and I would want to eat an actual chicken. Mm, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It just feels more natural. That, that's like, it? yeah, they're like organic, right? Because they're, they're actual, the it's just a, a box of chicks. They're the natural. Well, yep. there's a thing about blue being like an unnatural color. You shouldn't eat blue in nature because it's okay. poison. Oh, that and makes Sarah sense. Jessica Parker called uh, the yellow peeps the OG of peeps. I agree. Right? I agree with that. Yeah. That's a that's solid. That's a consensus. Okay. okay. And then lastly, we pick a a uh, an, an American based. <gasps> Thank something you for you. Each oh my God, each guest right. gets a bottle of something different. So this is Fort Hamilton whiskey. That's awesome. It's a uh, it's a new whiskey that's made in honor of Fort Hamilton. Oh my gosh! Uh, which is named after Hamilton, yes. and I think you have been a truth teller. And Fort Hamilton is also um, like a bulk ward. It's a fort. Mm-hmm. It was designed to guard mm-hmm. New York City. And I really feel like your work has been a guardian of our democracy. This is And wonderful. I say that, with, that's not a joke. The work you're doing and the work you've done throughout your career, and especially in the last couple of years, is so important as a protector of our democracy. Can I do my work drunk? Yes. Thank you. So I assumed you had been doing that all along. <laughs> we have to be. Thank you so much. Well, this you, was you are such an a pleasure. incredible patriot, and we're so, I'm so grateful you spent so much time with us. I'm just grateful for your work. Oh, my God. And we're I'm... all looking forward to the app and seeing Thank if you. Andrew Yang. Well, you're going to have to come on the show. You're going to have to come on this show. Anytime. Again. I All will right. drink and eat peeps. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Samantha B. Live Thank from you. the Classic Car Club here in New York. Thank you. Thank you.